back from hiatus or sabbatical or just plain absence, I guess, for a week as we took in the the Thanksgiving holiday. It's a fresh-baked, smoking hot, aromatic new Podman Rush. And this week, Mike Heike from DallasStars.com, who's fighting through the check for us because he's been under under the weather. He's got a bit of a sexy voice this week because of whatever viral thing is going on. Non-COVID, of course. Non-COVID and no infection. <laughs> okay. And from The Athletic, Saad Youssef is here. Yay! Uh, so I'm so happy you could take a break from uh, just posting Dallas Cowboy tweets <laughs> repeatedly and <laughs> nauseously. What is up with that? Why, why so many Cowboy tweets? Yeah, during the game, I usually, I usually do kind of go into that mode. I, I also host the podcast for uh, the, the Cowboys podcast on The Athletic. So I'm a host for that. So, well, why don't you save of, all that intellectual property for the podcast? <laughs> you think anything, instead of just putting everyone on blast during the Cowboy game? I'm I'm is shocked. Is it an that addiction? You, is it a release? What is it? Well, first, I'm just shocked that you think anything I tweet is intellectual. I, I would I would dispute that. I don't <laughs> I don't think anything that that goes on my Twitter account is very intellectual. Um, but but no, I mean it's. <laughs> I used to write about the Cowboys, so it was like, you know, that was kind of like my space. Now I just kind of, I don't like to post Cowboys tweets and stuff throughout the week, so I use that three-hour window. Hard on game day? On game days, those three hours, I go hard, and then I leave it alone the rest of the week. All right, so uh, how did you gravitate toward the Stars beat then? Well, obviously when Sean Shapiro left that created a void true yeah that that's how i got the beat job but uh, you know i had been covering the team for three years before that on a part-time basis and i grew up in texas so you know i wasn't a huge hockey guy i i, I watched the stars anytime they went to the playoffs big games on tv stuff but uh when i got hired at the athletic the the texas stars were in the call to cup final um in 2018 and Immediately when I got hired, Sean took me. Uh, Sean was like, "Hey, just hop in the car with me. We're going down to Cedar Park." And once I went down there, the environment in Cedar Park was so incredible, and uh, and and that instantly just got me into hockey. And then I spent that entire summer, and especially that fall. That fall, I was covering still the Cowboys and the Mavericks and everything, but that was the first fall of my life where. I football or basketball was not the main thing that I watched or studied and spent most time on. Um, so I just like constantly, I, I love learning about the game and it's kind of, it's kind of fresh because, you know, I played quarterback growing up. I played basketball, all this stuff. So I had an intellectual knowledge of the sport and I'm not saying you don't keep learning as you get older about even those things, but learning about hockey hmm. was just like, it, it felt like I was a kid again sure. because I was learning a new sport. I was like, I, I was seeing everything from fresh eyes. Like Sean and I would talk. I'm like, I, like we'd just be watching. I'm like, man, isn't it fascinating how quickly they like change lines? Like everyone's just like spilling oh, over the bed. So it was just, it was just a whole new thing. And then, I, and then, you know, as, as we've seen the Dallas stars since 2018 have uh, not been boring. To True. So it all kind of just worked out. That's kind of how, like, you know, I got so interested and it was, you know, once Sean left, I, uh, that that created that position for me to become the full time beat writer. Okay, we'll we'll get back to to uh, what you just talked about, but you want to get background, Mike, on <laughs> on Sod's 
as I, as I wear football prowess. As I wear my Traverse City Central, I know you have your hoodie. Trojans hoodie on, uh, like a coordinator. That's right. The uh, Trojans lost the state finals. That's oh, sad. 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 Yeah. Uh, Saad played quarterback for Carrollton Creekview, and uh, I believe he has a teammate uh, who he groomed, a junior, who then made it to the NFL. And so I figure he's, you know, I don't understand why he's not uh, uh, an assistant coach at a high school somewhere trying to bring up the next NFL quarterback. So, Saad, what was your career like with David Blau? Yeah, it was, you know, he was, he's, he's one of my best friends and, and, you know, like he's one of my really good friends. And as you know, like uh, he's the quarterback, he's the quarterback on the Detroit Lions, on Mike's what? Oh my God. <laughs> so <laughs> The third string quarterback on the Detroit Lions? Yeah. And a couple of years ago, he had like a string of, I think. Why doesn't he coach after that <laughs> performance last weekend? Wasn't him. That was the other guy. <laughs> yeah, that was the other guy. So, uh, but, but no, he, he actually a couple of years ago had a start on Thanksgiving and then started a few games. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, when you grow up in Texas and you play football, it's crazy. I mean, Carrollton Creekview is not a prestigious program. It's not great or anything, but you, you know, you still produce NFL talent. You go against NFL talent every week, like Jamal Adams of the Seahawks. Like I played against him on a weekly basis, seven on seven football. Um, you know, Miles Garrett played in Arlington, Connor Williams, a starting guard played at Capel. Like these guys were all my generation. And, and, uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, you know, I played quarterback. David played quarterback, but yeah, once he really got into the mix, um, I was relegated to. Uh, you didn't start so much. I didn't start so much. <laughs> and I asked you earlier, how tall are you? Five six. Five six. Did that affect? So he's just lobbing passes then, more so than throwing frozen ropes. I believe he was more the uh, running quarterback. I was I, option. Yeah, I did, I did a lot of options. I had a few passing. I actually have a highlight reel on YouTube. <laughs> I was going to say, so, I mean, we're, we're devolving into the Saad Yusuf sizzle got, podcast reel right. here right now. Well, on, we're going to just meld it with the Cowboys right, Well, we've podcast. lost most of our Stars Sorry fans with this conversation. No, we've gained more. Have we? Yeah, we've tapped into the football um, audience. Very quickly before we get into the Stars, though, I th one of the things, and I've told you, that I like about uh, you covering this is that you are curious about things that we're maybe jaded about. or And, and so in a lot of ways... If there's a casual or casual plural fans out there, uh, they're probably asking a lot of the similar questions that you're asking that we would sit there and go, well, doesn't everybody know that? And you're like, well, no, everybody does not know that. Yeah, it, it was actually a process for me, too. I know Mike and I have talked about this a lot. I, I had severe imposter syndrome, like coming into this and, and hockey people are just so knowledgeable and so good at hockey. And like, you know, I've told you this multiple times, like I my routine is to rewatch the game the next morning and I watch it with, with your voice because you know, you, you do a really good job of teaching the game on the broadcast. And, and for me, that was a big way that I started learning, but I also just had to kind of embrace that. Sure. It, it, like, you know, you, you, you guys know Sean, like Sean is a hockey nerd. He, he grew up playing goalie, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And like, for me coming into it, I was like, man, I'm this like, uh, ethnically different. I, I grew up different. Like, there's just not a lot of like not a lot of sods. Not a lot of sods, and so I'm like, I'm National like, Hockey League. <laughs> so I was a little. I, there was a lot of imposter syndrome and like and feeling like, do I belong? And then and then I just learned to embrace it. Well, it's, it, I think it's awesome. Helps. I think you're doing a fantastic. And from job. my point of view, I think he gets great answers. Yes, like, that's what we're here trying to get uh, answers. That, right? that was my point yeah. exactly. And but I mean, not just to educate the people, but I'm like, I think Bones is sitting there going. Like, 
How should I? I, I think there's. I think there's both. I think yes. sometimes there's another one of these questions right. about yeah. the lines and lineup right. and that. But but it does make the person up there at a podium or behind the microphone and that have to think a little bit right. rather than just spit out cliches right. about this, that, and then move on to the next game. So well done. Yes. All right. You two, <laughs> everything is fixed, right? Sure. Everything is now fixed in stars land. Uh, trending toward hunky dory is what I think they're trending toward. Is that German? Hunk, uh, hunky dory. Yeah. I believe it's, uh, Swedish? no, I think it's Dutch American. Oh, did you know that? Like. I believe it is. I don't know that dory means anything. It's not the boat. Right. Uh, hunky, hunk, I, I believe is home. Oh. I believe. Home goodness. So it's like back home again. Yeah, there you back, go. Back to the base. It works perfectly Hunky for the Hunky dory. Uh, what, what, have, what have they done better in your eyes here that has spun this thing around? In my opinion, this is what they, I mean, this is who they are supposed to be. I mean, I know people get mad at me, especially when they're not playing well, for saying, I think they're a good team. I think they're a good team. Uh, defense wins in the NHL. If you keep the goals against down to two, you know, and, and the funny thing about that is as good as uh, Jake Ottinger has been, there's can't been games where he hasn't had to be great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even Hopi last game, I think, you know, he had a few shaky moments, but he has a good team in front of him. And I think they're just trusting that the good team will keep the puck out of the net and that if they do that, then they can move the puck into the offensive zone. And earlier they were swimming. They were just, they were in quicksand. They didn't have any confidence. They didn't, I don't think they bought into the system. And now I think they are buying in and, that to me is a difference. I hate the I know, phrase buy-in, but and system too. I hate that too. Yeah, system's awful as well. Sod. you know, I I agree with Mike, but I also take it one one step further and say I think they they are who we thought they were the entire season, even at the beginning and even now, because they're they're a good team that's not great to the point where they can't play with their food, they can't they can't do those kind of things. That's what they were doing earlier. Is you know that this team that's that's won four straight and and you know done played the way they are this is this, this isn't a fluke like this is how good they can be but they have to do everything the right way and they can't take a period uh, especially first or second period I know third periods get a little dicey when teams are going six on five and things like that but in the first and second periods you can't mess around this team can't mess around they have to play sound defense they can't expose their goaltender um but also like you know when 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 you look at the beginning of the season Jason Robertson didn't start the season John Klingberg essentially didn't start the season Suter was Suter was still finding his way without an, without his partner like this team isn't good enough to combat all of that at once but once all that came together, uh, this team is good enough to, to yeah, hang with the Edmonton Oilers, to hang with the Blues. Like, I do think this team is good enough, but they, they're, not, they're, not, they're not so talented that they can just do whatever they want and, and take yeah. all the bullets. It's art of war. Invincibility lies in the defense. The possibility of victory in the attack. And when they drift from that, they get themselves in all kinds of hot water when they just concentrate on the base and cause look, if they didn't get their, their defensive act and look, the goaltending needed to be much better than yes. what it was. And we've talked about it many times. It's that one position that when it's pedestrian or worse, 
then all the, a lot of guys in front of that goaltending play different yep. and you don't survive your mistakes and you don't win when guys aren't scoring. Like I just, I don't know why I have Kiviranta in my mind, but you know, he got pulled from the lineup because he wasn't producing any offense. Like we, we, there's no off. Well, he came back in the lineup. There's still no offense. Right. There's zero, but now it's all good because they're only giving up two or fewer every game and they can score enough. They got a great power play. The thing that impresses me or that I appreciate the most right now is that they're scoring early Yes, and they're taking it to the opposition immediately, which they struggle to do not just earlier this season, but in, in past. So uh, th- yeah, I mean, for not a real long stretch, but a pretty good stretch here. Now they look like the team that they feel like they have to be and should be and are. Yeah. which is good. Yeah, it's funny. You and I talk about the statistic, and we're awed by the fact that if you score first... Oh, it's It's stunning. shocking. Well, they're scoring first 50 seconds in. Like, How much difference does that make to your mindset as a team? If, if you score first and lead after the first period of play, which means, let's say you score three minutes into the game, yep. there's 57 minutes of hockey left, and you lead after the first period, it means there's 40 minutes of hockey still left. Yep. But if you do those two things, you're probably going to win about 75 to 90% of the time. It's shocking. It's, it's shocking and it's terrible at the same time. I think the greatest uh, omission from modern hockey that doesn't have fighting and physicality as much as it did in the past is there aren't a lot of lead changes. Yeah. And if there were more lead changes and ultimately more six, five games and what have you, the, I would feel much better about the national hockey league, but that's not really the case right now. The, uh, the score first lead after one, certainly lead after two, you're going to win is the best Avenue to go for success. So Otter and what he's provided the Jake Ottinger experience and impact. Uh, I'm surprised and not surprised. Uh, one, I was shocked he was not playing well in the HL. Uh, I mean, his numbers aren't good at all. And, you were? But, yeah, because I thought, just talking to him, and I don't know. I mean, we don't get to go hang out with him or even talk in the locker room with him. But he seems like that guy that's going to say he's going to get you know punched in the nose and say, well, all right, I'm coming back even harder, and I'm going to prove to them that I deserve to be here. Yeah. But. I've got my thoughts. Keep I know, going. and you know better than I do, but I just thought, wow, I just, he really took it hard. And then mm-hmm. when he got the opportunity, mm-hmm. he just grabbed it by the neck. And he has been great. The first game, I thought his rebound control was a little all over the place. But since then, I think he's letting the puck, you know, hit him. And two, directing it to the corner. And those are two things that are very important. That was one part of the problem for him last year. Um, and I do believe he's a better goalie than he was last year. Mm. So. Yeah, and, and I think you know the whole the the term "swallow the puck" has come up a lot when talking with uh, with Ottinger, and I think that's what that's what's been impressive is not it's not the numbers the nine whatever it is, I know it was nine fifty five going to last game. Then Just go with league leading. Yeah. Do that nine fifty nine. I think nine fifty nine now, and, and 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 I think that's impressive. But it's more about the way that he's playing and. and to me, what's surprising, and I got to watch him, you know, going back to, you know, I covered the AHL a lot more when Sean was was the beat writer. I watched him in the AHL two years ago, and it, it, the poise in the crease is just so different. It's it's not, 
you know, it's not, it's nothing like what it was. He's so much more calm. He, he doesn't get rattled. He's more technically positionally sound in the crease. And this was true last season too, by the way. But, you know, I talked to Jeff Reese and, and one thing that he said was, his game wasn't allowed to grow last year because of because they weren't true. They weren't able there to was practice. No, there was no growth. No, it was survival. Right, yeah. it was survival. Like they're just going out there, especially with you know the way things went. There were times where he was playing four straight and things like that. Um, now I think you know going down to the AHL, his game was allowed to grow, and even now when he's up here, he still has multiple days in between games. His game's growing, and I think that's what you're seeing is. Uh, you know, fans like to see the 9-11 uh, percentage that he had last year and be like, oh, that's good. I don't think the Stars think that Jake Ottinger is a number one Stars goaltender in the future. I think they think he's one of the best in the NHL potential in the future. And and so, you know, while while they could skate by on him being the best coming out of training camp this season, I think you want to develop him to be one of the best in the NHL. Yeah, I... I think the people want me to weigh in on this as a former uh, netminder in the National Hockey League. Mike, quit laughing at me. The he didn't have a great training camp, and and then he went down and and he didn't play phenomenal in the American Hockey League. That's all from the neck up. I mean, it, it's tough for any goaltender, but certainly a young guy. You come in and you see the log jam ahead of you, and then you try too hard. Maybe you you, you let those things affect you a, a little, just a little bit mentally is all it takes. And it can take you off your game enough. And I, I, I think some of that effect, even though I, I think that's one of his best assets is yeah. his mental um, approach to the position and to the game. But we've talked about this. I love young guys who get an opportunity and seize it because you got two options, especially at that position. Nobody's bailing you out. There is no D partner. There are no line mates, nothing. It's you. You either get the job done or you don't. And he could have fallen flat on his face and ended up back in the American Hockey League as soon as Holpe got healthy. And it's like, well, you know, a year down there isn't going to hurt him. And one of the great things about the American Hockey League is you, you get these games stacked up and you're traveling by bus and there's a struggle to it. Yeah. And that builds up your uh, mental calluses so that you can fight your way through what is, it's weird to say this, but it's true. It's paradoxical. The NHL is easier, but it's harder. Right. It's way more organized than the American Hockey League. That's why goaltenders, even elite goaltenders, tend to look a little bit scrambly in the American Hockey League because you have to be, which is, can be a good thing. Like I, at times when I watch Jake, I, I think to myself, he's he's got all this foundation and size and every asset you'd think of. He just needs a, a, just a bit more of that scramble, athletic, you know, come up. And he made a couple of those saves in his last start. But add that in there. I, I still think there's a couple things. Um, he hasn't played a game on the road yet since he came back. So we – and look, 960 is unsustainable as a – save percentage if he if, even if he can sustain 925 or 930 i mean these this team's going to win a lot of games with jay gottinger in the pipes and i still need to see him conquer overtime and shootouts yeah that that's that's the one other you know game on the line you and uh shooter thing and he i i think that built up on him a little bit last year too but man 
I, I think what he's done so far, I mean, he basically gave this thing uh, a stability base at the position that they really needed it because it was erratic and injured. And for him to come in and do that, and now what we talked about in the beginning, pretty stabilized looking team that believes in itself and thinks they're going to win a lot of nights playing the way they expect to win. The, the one thing I'll say about uh, and I agree with you. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of swimming going on before we can hand over a Vezina to <laughs> to Jake. But the Stars have never ever had a number one goaltender under the age of 26. They've never had a starting goalie under 26. Even uh, Marty was he 25, 26? Oh, that's right. They've never had the one. College route. Jake will be what 23 in yeah. next month or this month, next and, month, and early it seems next like month. the league is trending this way. It is. They're it is, but. The young guys. It, it can be funky. Oh, well, and again, that's why Look we, at Carter Hart, well, who, yeah. you know, it can be funky. Yeah, Matt Murray. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know? Another great example. Uh, 400 Club and Americans. Pretty neat little story. Oh, yeah. We're all Americans here. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> Some of us more so than others. Well, longer. What, do you, what does that mean, Mike? That's a shot at myself and Saad, I think. <laughs> I actually uh, am consider myself more Canadian than American. You start calling you Mike the Butcher. <laughs> Gangs of New York. Uh, is, it, is it funny that we <clears throat> xenophobe the NHL so much? Oh, it's split it up into... Yeah, yeah I mean, every... if, you're, if you're a Finn, you play like a Finn. If you're a Swede, <laughs> if you're a Russian... What do you think? Well, you think that's true? He's I, just yeah, a Russian. I mean, I mean, yeah. What would you expect? He's a Russian. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's done in good in good nature, though. That's why it doesn't. Is it split up like that in the NBA? No, no, not at all. Not the NFL. No. Not not well, even. Well, not the NFL. Thanks, Mike. Well, no, they actually have quite a, a couple every of kicker. Every, every kicker. third kicker is European. <laughs> uh, so Joe Pavelski, in taser-like fashion, I might add, against Colorado, uh, became the 101st player in NHL history to score 400, and the 10th American. There's a lot of Canadians in there. <laughs> I support my country, Canadian. Uh, if I'm honest, I, I was more impressed by the fact he broke Holly's 1999 record for fastest goals to yeah. start the game than than the 400. He's only, what, 45 have come as a Dallas right. star. Most of it built up as San Jose Shark. But pre- I, I like seeing... pretty good percentage. I like seeing those guys... Yes. I like seeing those guys hit major milestones like that. Yeah. And that is a major milestone. Yes. We're, we're so quick to toss out, oh, it's his 1100th game. You want to stop it and give him a silver right. stick for 1100 games. That's not a milestone. It's not a regular milestone. It's a round number. 400 is a milestone. Yeah, it is. And I, I love the fact that Nate gets to go on the bench. Nate gets to watch his dad do that. And then Joe, as a dad, gets to have his son appreciate a moment in his career because... It's not always the case with athletes. No. And, and we we've we've never done enough of that in our yeah. sport ever. Yeah, and I and I think another thing that I really appreciated about that was actually something Mike asked Joe after the game was, you know, the the way that it happened. You know, in front of the the first goal came in right like, you know, he tip, tips in a pass from Robertson. The second one was 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 great because Rope, you know, gets the puck. Joe is actually outside of Rope when 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 Rope gets the puck and he just has the intellectual like you know he, he's so quick and he just goes into the slot rope with the pass and 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 again both come so close to the net um it was a very joe pavelski way yeah. to get to yeah. 400 yeah and the other thing i appreciate with him is things were not going that well 
for him and for the team. And, you know, he, he's the first guy on the ice every morning, morning skates and that, working on his craft, which is goal scoring around the net, tipping pucks, this and that, muscle memory. And speaking of Brett Hall, you go back, the, one of the, the greatest goal scorers in NHL history was in a slump. And instead of just saying, look, I'm Brett Hall, it'll happen for me. He grabbed uh, an assistant coach, grabbed Rick Wilson, and they went out on the ice. And Holly had a certain, like a shooting tree. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot from here. I'm going to shoot from here. This is where I get my chances. And I'm going to go through this. Um, and he did that. And all of a sudden, he, you know, not immediately, but he worked his way out of this slump and then started scoring uh, at nauseum. And the same thing with Joe. Like, it's just like a shooting tree. This is where I get my chances from. I'm going to get my muscle memory back. I get the opportunity instead of double clutching, bang, it's in the net. Beautiful 400th goal. Yeah. That's the way it should be scored, not off a shin pad or into an empty net. And it's interesting when you have people like that, it's spread throughout the organization. Like Mike Madonna always used to say, we couldn't leave the gym because Lettinen was still in there. Like he would set that example. I wish it would spread a little more around know, here, Mike, to Mike, be honest with you, because there's a few young guys that could look at the 37-year-old and go, hmm. So when he's slumping a little bit, he goes out there early and works on it. Not once, not just once, but a couple of times in a row. When you hear the stories of him in San Jose, this is who he's been since he got here. Yeah. You know, and so again, having that example, hopefully younger players will see and copy. Good point. (laughs) Your point. Yeah, I know. Bold prediction time. You ready? Let's do it. Okay, Stars Oilers 2022 playoffs. It's going to happen again. First time since when? Early aughts? Yeah, probably. Right? Sometime in the early aughts. They had they like met six again. in a row. Oh, there. It, was it was crazy. It was amazing. But like, we're, look, we're never going to see that kind no. of hockey again, which was. Are you old enough to even remember that? No. Oh, dang. <laughs> it was fun. It was. It, it was. $65 million payroll difference. It was complete difference or differences in philosophy on how to play the game. Like it was nuts. Yeah. And and the series were so compelling. Well, and both the towns were incredible. Oh, they were back in reunion arena back in the day. And that building, like even the Oilers were awed by it. They were like, this is the loudest building I've ever been in my life. Then we'd go then to we, Edmonton. Yeah, go to and it's, Skyreach or whatever the hell it was again, called back then. But again, it's 24-7. Like yeah. everybody on the street, like they were, oh, look, it's Daryl Ray. Hey, you want to talk about the game, Daryl? You yeah, know, yeah. and it's just. It like, was fun. It was fun. Uh, so Miro will metaphorically put a pillow over McDavid's face and whisper, shh, Connor. Shh. It'll all be over soon as he suffocates the league MVP for four to seven games, whatever it takes. That's my bold prediction of what we have coming in the new year and down the road. You guys? Uh, that is don't, you, don't, oh. you don't go first. Sod goes first. A bold prediction. I, this is not bold because of the, 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 the player involved, but I'm going to say this is a, still a little bold given the respect that he's gotten and the market has gotten overall. I think Miro is top three Norris this year, and and that's not bold based on his play. But I think it's so his play is so loud now 
that I think it's, you know, just talking to people around the league, media people and everything, he's gotten everyone's attention now. And he's always been good. He's always been great. Um, but I don't think he's ever gotten the the proper respect and, and that he deserves. Um, but I think he's getting that now. And I think that, th- and, and I think uh, what a lot of people say is once you finish top three Norris, that's, you, you've, you've knocked in the door. And at that point, you know, you're, you're always the, considered you're always year considered. after year. And I think it's important for, 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 I, I think this last week was pretty important. You, you go against Connor McDavid and shut him down. Then you go against your, your uh, draft rival and kill McCarr and, and you, and you best him. Um, I, I, in terms of the game, I think, I think, you know, I think that's, that's an important little stretch, but I think Miro is going to get the respect and again, not bold based on Miro, but I think bold based on the fact that in this market, he's going to finally get the Well, two things have really helped him this year. It's unfortunate that you always have to have a gazillion points in order to be considered for the best defenseman in the National Hockey League, but it's been that way for a long, long time. So him leading the Stars in in scoring has, has really helped. And then when you go straight up against the best player in the league and you completely shut him down and people go, whoa, okay, here's a two-point-a-game guy and he got nada, not even chances to score with him on the ice. And there were lots of times, if you just isolated, I can't remember the last time I saw a player get truly shadowed. I mean, you got to go back decades for shadowing. And usually it was just a... A forward on a forward, defensive forward on the forward, not a defenseman on a forward. And Miro's ability and mobility allows him to do that against that player. It was, I, I thought it was spectacular. So I, I agree with you, Saad. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting if that happens, like you know, on the road and you don't have the last change and and how you, how you kind of have to deal with he, that. He's but. done it up there yeah. before. I mean, there have been some low scoring games in Edmonton, and they've only been low scoring because of. <laughs> Miro and and yeah, general defensive scheme in shutting him and and dry sidle a little bit uh, down. So what, what people forget is the last time they played McDavid and dry sidle was the, during that six game losing stretch before the COVID stoppage, and Edmonton only won two to one. I, I mean, it, it wasn't a big scoring game. So you're right. I mean, it's it's happened. The thing that impressed me in both those games is, and this is more team stuff than Miro, but. Uh, Edmonton went and, and became Edmonton the next night, and I think Colorado did the same thing. Yeah. Like, they, this wasn't a fluke. This wasn't them playing poorly. This was Dallas and Miro shutting them down. Yeah. Which I thought was impressive. You want my bold prediction? I do. I've actually fought this because I bought into, I think, what the front office believes that you have to have a veteran goalie uh, in the playoffs, and they have two one who's won the Stanley Cup and one who's gotten his team there. I think Jake Ottinger is your number one goalie in the playoffs. I think as we go through this process, whether that's Braden Holtby's health or just Jake taking this, I think he's the best goalie. And, you know, I know it's hard to go into the playoffs. With Man, guy. Do, you, do you have a full vat of anointing oil in I your do. bag today? I'm touching his forehead right now. Uh, I just, we'll see. It's a small sample size, as we all say. I've made... Stupid predictions before. No, these are bold predictions. These They're supposed predictions. to be dumb. And he just looks like the guy who can do it now. And he, uh, they always say, well, convince me. Convince me. I think he might do it. 
I think he might, you know, as we go through this and as they get to wherever they need to get to to get into the playoffs, they're going to look down there and say, mm, Jake's our best shot. It's going to be fascinating to figure out how they figure out their goaltending exactly. situation. It's a mess. <laughs> and I think I he, don't know that it's a mess. No, and, and I get it's why. It's cumbersome. I get why they did what they did because if indeed you get to the point where you're in March and Holtby and Ottinger is your pair. Well, that could be pretty good. And you do have a guy who won the Stanley Cup. Now he fell on hard times a little bit, and he's trying to rebuild himself, and it's a little bit different here. Um, but they wouldn't have him here, and I don't know what's wrong with Anton. If you know, if that's something physically, if that's something mentally, if he can fix himself, I don't know that he'll get the opportunity at this point in time. So if indeed you go what, in... What if, what if Ben Bishop is Nikita Kucherov? Oh, my gosh. That's the other wild card in all this. What if he's Nikita Kucherov? Because if you talk to you Just Rick, bury him on LTIR for the year, and then t- that's Ben Bishop's music. That's right. And if you talk to Rick, because they've known each other for so long, and you know what happened in the Colorado game, like if Ben Bishop says he's ready to go, I mean... If, Man, that's a lot. He's, he's going to be almost two, two full years. years without playing a game. And the one he played was terrible. What a story that would be, though. I know. Uh, nice luxury to have yes. in, in some ways, but in other ways, man, imperfect. Indeed. And, and tough to endure if you're one of those guys with masks. It's not easy sharing the load like no. that. So, But they've got, they got question marks all over. We've talked about this every week, it seems. Good, bold predictions, though. Well, thank you. I like that. Sods was okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the, the prediction itself wasn't too bold. It was, you know, it is though because there yeah. are so many good young defensemen that could be. I mean, they got to whittle it down to three, and you so and there could be three or four who have a lot more points than him, and and, as, and as in much seen, larger media markets. Yeah, and as we've seen on the road, I mean, a guy like Adam Fox is real. He was really good against the Dallas Stars, and I think he's a really yeah, good overall defenseman. What if, what if Makar scores thirty? Right. Okay, there's two. Yeah. So now yeah. you got one spot for the guy in Florida. If he stays healthy, he's right. Look in the at mix. Dougie Hamilton yes. in New Jersey. Yeah. Like, there's a guy almost everywhere. Correct. Most important players in the modern game. No, the goaltenders. No, no, it isn't. Wow. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. There's call- a that's a a bonus bold prediction. I'm calling up there and paying right bold now. Statement. You're gonna have your union card pulled. All right, NHL stuff. Okay. Have, have you guys noticed the rash of fines, or is it stuck out? In your minds? Uh, yeah. Yes. yeah I, I, I don't remember looking at my phone every day and seeing two more guys that were fine, five grand. It's just like, you're fine, five grand. You're fine, five grand. It's just over and over and over again. Uh, it's, to me, a crazy uptick. The emergency players fund is like a late 90s hedge fund now. <laughs> it's just Wildly buying a Bitcoin. It's like crypto or something. (laughs) So I I looked, there were like 37 fines last season. You know, short season, 56 games. But 36 guys got got fined, or 37 guys got fined last year. I think we're already in the mid-20s. Yeah. They're dumb plays. I don't I don't get it. I mean, and I know it's a fast game. And I know it's a hard but, game. But, but what is the reasoning behind it, do you think, from the league perspective? They don't want to suspend or people. Or player safety. They, yeah. Like I've seen somewhere I think players should have been suspended and all they got was a fine. But they want to do everything they can to send a message that this is not acceptable. Right. And they can't put little stop signs on the back of their jerseys like they used to do in junior hockey. Like uh, who do we uh, – Raddick got yeah. uh, slashing five grand. It was just like five thousand dollars, bam! Yep, 
He got penalized. Did he not? Or did he? He got penalized. Yeah. And the player came back. Yep. Oh. And maybe that's it too. And and it's a bad way. I mean, it, it's our society too. If you get in an accident and don't hurt somebody, then it's no big deal. But if you get in an accident and kill somebody, then you get manslaughter charges. So the injury Ooh. does. You start calling yourself the hammer. I am. Uh, you should see my commercials coming. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but the injury does cause. Okay, now it's a suspension. Oh, the guy didn't get hurt. Well, now it's a fine. So you feel like it's a way of just curtailing this thing without they want to send a pulling message. guys from Correct. the lineup to just we're just you guys make a lot of money. We're going to take some away from you. Yeah, yeah I think it's by, by the NHL. It's also just uh, you know slowly trying to trying to make the game into kind of the way that they, the the way that the cross checking rule has changed. And I think you know it's those little things that you know, when you do that enough, like they're going to condition players to play differently and then, um, and how they believe, I think more safe. Um, but I don't know if that's, it, the players don't love it. Obviously it, it, it feels like the cops late in the month when they need <laughs> a few more speeding tickets to hit their quota and they're, you know, they're hiding off in the, uh, very weird segment of the road where it goes from 50 to 30 to, 25 to 40 on some of these little country <laughs> rural roads around here and that or a school uh, zone and they just need to start writing tickets that's what it feels like to me they're writing tickets works yeah does it yeah well we'll see we'll see uh general managers hmm. more general managers have been fired than coaches in the first two months of the season is that right that sounds right Although have we ever several coaches now. were removed from their I know, position, but, but <laughs> have, we've never. I, I I can't recall in the middle of a season, two months into the season, yeah, Mike. No, this has to be a first, right? I would, yeah, I would guess. So Mark Bergevin was let go by the Montreal Canadiens. That's the latest. Stan Bowman in Chicago, part of that whole purge, and Bob Murray in Anaheim uh, were the two prior ones. Jeremy Colleton, the only coach to get uh, let go so far in Chicago. Level of surprise on you guys with what's going on at the management level? I think it's situational, uh, but I understand it. Um, I think a lot of times now, especially, I mean, some of these guys have been here a while. Uh, you know, Bergevin, what is that, a decade? They were in the Stanley Cup final last year. I know, but again, we can. we've had that discussion before that what is their, other than that run, what is their history in the past four or five years? Right. And where do they look like they're trending to? And then the question then becomes, all right, let's wait till the season's over. Well, do you want to unload some people at the trade deadline? Do you want to try and find a different coach? Do you want? And they did change coaches last Correct. year. So then. Or last you, season. Do you, God, who gotta, do you want? Don't you hate that? You can't yeah. call it last year? Yeah. It's so, not last year. It's earlier this, this year, year, which was last season. As but you might find. The ownership, I think, has to sit there and say, I have to trust this guy to help me rebuild and get to a different place. And so that, and Bergevin, that's how I see it. Murray is. I think Bergie was done there anyway. Yeah, he probably was. That, that's, then, that is a microscope you're under there. Oh, yeah. But also with Bergevin, you know, when you look at the tough decisions they have to make and you're a GM in the final year of your contract. That's what I mean. You yeah. don't want to be, you, as an organization, you don't want you him don't want to be him. making those decisions yeah. to save his job at the trade deadline. Right. 
Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think they had to do that at this point before, you know, he starts becoming this big buyer at the trade deadline. Um, it just, just seems weird 20 minutes or 20 games into the season that you would make that change now. Now they've had an awful start, but they also have been without their God in Carey Price in net and yeah. their captain in Shea Weber. Like there's been, a, they should have just made a change, but how do you make a change after you make it to the Stanley cup final? It's hard. Weird spot. Uh, the other interesting thing, and I think you and I have talked about this a lot, is that the fan reaction in Montreal or Vancouver is a lot different than the fan reaction even in Chicago or Boston or whatever. Like, it's life and death up there. And you're 20 games into it, and it seems like 100 games for the fans. I, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was walking, when the news came down in that, that because you're going to have a lot of people that will use the old – uh, adage that once you start listening to the media or the fans, you'll be joining them, right? right? You, you can't listen to them. But then I, I was like, well, maybe you should listen. They're your customers. And if they're that ticked off and eventually they're going to show their uh, dismay by just staying away, right? Uh, you need to listen to them. Yeah. Like not on your day-to-day right. stuff and that, but man, if if they're unhappy... And then the seats are empty. Yeah, they have power. Yeah. They, they, their voice has power, right? Yeah. And I'm a big fan of positivity versus negativity. And if the fans are bringing... Well, when are you going to start showing that, Mike? Uh, the, well, the fans just bring negativity every day. It does seep into the room. Yeah. Like, and if you feel that... Hearing that at, at yes, home all the time? Constantly. <laughs> yeah. And I, like I said, I think Vancouver's a bit of a mess, too, because that's all they're hearing is... Yeah. You guys are... They lost again last night yeah. to Boston. Yeah. So, but that I do believe the outer feeling, especially in places like that, does seep into the performance. Yeah, yeah. I I think Vancouver is another place that we'll see some dominoes fall pretty quick. Yeah, just the way that they've been playing, and it's you know, just, going through that market, going through Vancouver. You know, I was obviously there with the um, covering the team earlier this month, and it, it's a different feel, man. Like that, those Canadian markets are just different. Uh, and I think Mike's right. Like when you have that kind of vibe and you're not winning, like, like, and you're not like, uh, like there's nothing really to fall back on. Like if, if, if a fan base is mad about the style or mad about the aesthetic of, of the performance, shoot more. Yeah. (laughs) If it's that, but, but then your team is winning, you can put up with it. But if you're, if you look bad, you play bad, your standings are bad at that point, like, (laughs) and it's becoming elongated. Yeah. At that point, you have to make changes. Yeah. They have the Sedins in the front office there now. It's pretty good. Looking at things. Very good. Have you, did you see the Ryan Reynolds video? No. It was funny because he got some order of Canada or whatever, and all these people were thanking him, and the Sedins were there, and they showed him watching the video, and he's like, the Sedins? Like, he was really, really? it touched his heart that the Sedins cared about him. See? Van City Ryan. That's beautiful. Van City Ryan, indeed. <laughs> uh, so... The longest tenured GMs in the NHL now. David Poyle in Nashville has been their general manager since 1997. Doug Wilson, who's taken a leave, a medical leave from San Jose, certainly hope that that's nothing uh, overly serious and that it's just something he can take care of. He's done a wonderful job there with the Sharks. 2003. He's been their general manager. And then our old friend, Doug Armstrong, in St. Louis since 2010. 
Kevin Shevel Day off in Winnipeg, Yarmo Kekalainen in Columbus, and Jim Nill with the Dallas Stars round out the longest tenured GMs in the league. The thing that struck me in all this, beyond the fact that that Poyle's been there for 40 years or whatever it is, four of the six guide Central Division teams. Mm -hmm. The most stable general manager positions in the National Hockey League reside in the in the Central. Yeah. And I think, generally speaking, they've done a good job. I think well, it's been a very good division. Right. And, and I mean, Poyle had his... I think he had a moment where it could have happened, but then he steered the ship back on track. And again, you... <laughs> I thought it was going to... I thought it was going to go down last year. Yeah. But again, you... They have defensemen. They have goalies. Yeah, I know. They just... Re, and I mean, that keeps you competitive. It yeah. keeps you in the middle of the pack. Defense. Want me to go back? Want yeah. Want me to read it again? Is. Art of War? Yeah. Did you actually read that in Chinese? I wrote it in Chinese. Yeah. I read it in, in, in uh, American. There you go. Latin. Uh, anything slap you across the face about the tenured bunch and I mean I think I, I think it's you know there's this there's the balance of of consistency versus you know making a change just for the sake of making a change and I think those teams have just done a good job of not doing that of not making a change just because you have to um, and making the changes at the right spots like for example in Dallas like yes Jim Nill has been very stable but the coaching underneath that has not been as stable during even his tenure he, Bones is I think the fourth coach or fifth but you know it's it, you know lindy hitch monty and now bone so it's fourth um yeah i think i i think you know the the changes have come for all those teams at the right spot and i don't think gm is necessarily the spot when you look at you know a guy like jim nil like you know the 2017 draft uh, and then a lot of the drafts after that i don't think it warrants a change and there's not change when where there's not where there's not one needed to be made if the coaching is needed to be changed, sure. If the players need to be changed, sure. But I think that they do a good job of just being consistent. You just look at all those all those uh, GMs in those franchises. They all they've all gone through a certain point where it was a bit of a crucible, mm -hmm. and like you said, so I just stuck with it and moved through the the sort of turbulent waters there for a little bit and came out the other side. I mean. A few years back, they were talking about Shevel Day off yeah. in in Winnipeg, and is it time? Like they could never move out of whatever uh, little rut—not not really a rut—but they were just at, at a level, right. a plateau, or whatever. Expectations can yeah. get raised. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, fascinating. Yeah, and those teams, I do think San Jose. I mean, they've been a model franchise for ten years, so they should, you know, they should be what they are. Doug in St. Louis, same thing. You know, I don't think there's there's any any been been any reason to bring up the subject. No, and it, almost every one of them have shown up in a Stanley Cup final, you know, recently or right. won it in in uh, St. Louis's case. The the two outliers would be Winnipeg yep. and, and Shevel Day off, and in Columbus, 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 and the Seattle Kraken are the only two franchises in the National Hockey League. That have not made it to a conference final. Yeah. That, that's well, and again, crazy. When, when you see what Vegas did and how aggressive Vegas was, uh, you do sit there and go, oh, Columbus, come on, do something. You push them, you know, that little meme. Do something. Is that what you do? Have you never Shove seen that it meme? Like that. You, like you push Maybe that it's a mental thing. thing, which I'm going to finish on. Okay. I'm an enormous proponent of, of uh, mental guidance or uh, assistance coaching for athletes and teams, always have been. Uh, 
And Scott McFadden, way back uh, in the day around here, sports psychologist, was a real asset for those late 90s teams. Whether those guys understood it or appreciated it at the time, uh, from from drafting to getting through the hurdles. And even beyond that, too, I, I remember, I think it was McFadden that was still on board when Marty Turco was trying to get past a playoff hump. And that group was trying to push through in 2008. And they were able to uh, at least get themselves to a conference final uh, and past early uh, trip ups, which had become more commonplace. So it's been a bit of a blind spot or undervalued around here for a while. And I was uh, happy to see that uh, they hired Chad Bowling uh, this year, he was on the trip uh, with us out to Arizona. Spent the last 17 years with the New York Yankees. We've won a little bit. Yeah, you Canadians like the Yankees. We do like our Yankees. <laughs> and uh, also worked with the Cowboys and uh, has come on board. I, I put a note into the great Mark Janko to find out, you know, where where did this stem from and all that. But he never got back to me. I don't. He's a busy man. Well, and I'm way down the pecking order as a dunce on his list of important people to return calls to. Uh, but uh, look, the organizations brought that on board. I, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. I'll go back to the, our silly Ted Lasso show. It's a huge part of the storyline. Oh, my God. And that these athletes are and coaches are in very difficult mental jobs. And whoever it may be that could help them. You kind of need to find that person. If it's individually, didn't Sid have his own therapist back in the day? Yeah, Sidor? I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then to have a team guy too. And it's going to be different with everybody. I'm sure a lot of these guys nowadays yeah. have worked with some kind of yeah. sports psychology, uh, mental coaching. Just like coaching. they work with personal trainers and then they work with Jelly too. Yeah. And so you just, you got to find yeah. the right mix. And it is, I've talked to a few people who want to get into this industry and they find the NHL to be very difficult. And I said, if you're going to sell it, sell it like analytics or sell it like a personal trainer because they spend millions of dollars on that kind of stuff. Why wouldn't you spend the same amount of money on trying to analyze the brain? Exactly. And well, and especially in the environment that yes. they've had to navigate over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, you just, it you have to have, yeah, you have to have somebody like that. If you watch Billions, right in the right in the building, yep, with Axe Capital, she's there every day. You can get a session. Yeah, and and I you think, watch Billions, Sod? I don't. Well, you need to. <laughs> but but I but I do think that that it's a severely underrated position. Um, you know, people from the outside, obviously, you know, there's there's because they're never going to be face front because of you know client privilege, like privacy right. and things like that. You won't hear about them a lot. But I actually, I actually talked in depth with uh, Don Kalkstein, who who is the uh, mental mental skills coach for the Mavericks, who also won a 2007 championship with the Boston Red Sox. So there's always a lot of crossover as well. So sports, the, yeah. yeah. So like, you know, this the fact that you with the Yankees, not a surprise. Um, you know, there's a lot of crossover in that, and and it's they have such fascinating ways that they cater to these oh, to these individual players. It's, uh, you know, not, not always things that, that can be made public on the record. And but one size does not fit all. No, no. Very much so. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just, but it's so important. I, you know, I, when I, I talked to uh, Kalkstein in 2020, uh, it was before the stoppage. I never got around to writing the story, but 
Um, but but when I did, it's just like, you know, you're talking about the way that you approach Luca versus KP, and they're two different players and two different minds, and the, the stars have a lot of that. You know, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, Joe Pavelski in a slump, Rope Hintz was in a slump. Do you approach both of them the same way? No, I don't think you do. They're, they're two different players, two different stages of their careers, two different personalities, and the coach is worried about the X's and O's and getting the high danger scoring chances. You need someone who can unlock that mind that way. And I think that that position is very underrated. Yeah, there, it is not uh, one size fits everybody. We're all going to work harder. And we were leaving it to people like Hitch, who are amateur psychologists. <laughs> he would call himself a pro. I know. <laughs> uh, pretty good. What do you think uh, if you stack this up against your, your podcast for football? I, I think this was this. What do you guys over. do on that that we should do on, on this one going forward, Saad? It's our, our football podcast is very, uh, very uh, cookie cutter in terms of we do post game, we do pre game, we preview the game, we talk about the game afterwards. Do you so, guys swear on yours? We do. <laughs> we can't do that here because <laughs> it's posted on the that. website. Yeah. You can go ahead. Beep, beep, beep. Beep. <laughs> Could you imagine if we just went blue one it would, week? It would be fun. That would be fun, Brandon. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, look. I thank you both for coming in early here on a Monday morning. We're kind of Monday morning quarterbacking yeah. the Stars turnaround here right now. And a uh, pretty interesting little week coming up, Mike Heike, starting with those Carolina Hurricanes, who I'm not going to say it was them, but somehow, some way, there have been some leakage going on about rumors and <laughs> what have you, which we do not deal with here on, no, no, no. on the uh, Podman Rush with no back checkers, but it's interesting that that would bubble up fresh just ahead of a meeting between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Dallas Stars. Yeah, and it's... So and we'll give you the last the last word on this thing. Go ahead. I think it's... Lean uh, in. The, the Carolina game is going to be another, another, one, another one of those... You know, there was the Arizona game in the middle of all of this, but when you go back, you go... St. We called Louis. the Arizona game something else, but in the middle of all this... <laughs> Is probably a little better. Yeah, but but if you go look, look at the surrounding of that, you had you had St. Louis, you had Edmonton, you had Colorado, and now you have Carolina. Um, this is I think this is just the latest run of good litmus test for the Stars. Um, they got two days off here before they play the Hurricanes. Um, the Hurricanes are the top one of the top teams in the NHL, and it's a good measuring stick. So um, I, you know it's and the by the way one one thing that throughout this entire season that I think has been lost on. Uh, we were talking about what's gone right for the stars, their health uh, once Robertson came back and Klingberg was already back has been, has been great. And the schedule, I mean the Arizona game, the fact that that back to back was, I think the second Yeah. after the Rangers and nothing, at Boston, nothing but days off, nothing everywhere, but days off speckled in there. <laughs> so now you play Carolina two days off. Then you play. Then you have a day off, and you play again. Then you have three days off. I mean, it's it, it, like that. I think has helped a lot too. So, um, yeah, I think this this stretch is going to be going to be big, and and Carolina is a good team to measure up against. You're a fresh uh, fresh of breath there. That's what you are, Saad Yusuf. <laughs> I agree. Huh? He's like the John Klingberg. Uh, well, no, I don't know why that name was in my mind. Oh. <laughs> Mike, you're so undermining, aren't you? So I appreciate you. No, thanks I'm for doing honor, this, honored that you guys asked me yeah. to come on. Mike, thanks again for keeping it real. You can today. ask about my football career next time. Well, <laughs> the wing yeah. T offense. That's right, it was. Man, 
We bring in your leather helmet and we'll talk all about it. How's that? All right, gang, we'll talk to you next week. That's it from the Podman Rush.